Hello and welcome to the Creating Superfans podcast, where you learn how to turn your customers and employees into superfans. I'm your host, Brittany Hodak, and I'm a speaker, author, and entrepreneur obsessed with all things customer experience. Here's the thing. We're living in an experience economy right now, and regardless of the size or age of your company or even the products or services you're selling, one thing's for sure. If your customers aren't telling their friends about you, you're in trouble. If you want to create super fans, being great is no longer good enough. You've got to be super. This is the show that teaches you how. Welcome to the Creating Superfans podcast. Sometimes I like to say that I collect interesting people, not in like a creepy dungeon in the basement kind of way, but when I'm lucky enough to cross paths with someone exceptional, I do everything I can to keep them in my network. That's the case with today's guest, who I am so thrilled not just to have on the show, but to call a friend. Ethan Butte is the chief evangelist at BombBomb, the co-author of Human-Centered Communication, and the host of one of my very favorite podcasts called The Customer Experience Podcast. More on that later, but if you're not already a listener, you need to immediately subscribe. I suggest starting with episode number 237, where you can hear more from me and Ethan. The first time I was lucky enough to share the stage with Ethan at an event, I knew he was one of the smartest people I had ever come across. He's spent more than a decade helping business professionals be more personal and more human through simple video messages. In fact, he sent more than 12,000 video messages himself. And I know from being on the receiving end of many of them that he is one of the absolute best in the business. Today, he's going to talk about how you can use video in your business to better connect with your prospects and customers. Before we jump into my conversation with Ethan, let's hear a quick word from this episode's sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Total Expert. To create super fans, you need to be super relevant. How? Start by leveraging customer insights to create the perfect mix of human and digital touch points. Total Expert is a purpose-built CRM revolutionizing the way banks and lenders connect with customers to build trusted relationships and drive growth and loyalty. To learn more, visit TotalExpert.com. Ethan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for the invite. I always enjoy our conversations, and I'm happy to record and share one with people too. Yes. Well, thank you. In addition to your role as Chief Evangelist at BombBomb, you host one of my very favorite podcasts in the world, and that's the very perfectly titled Customer Experience Podcast. So anyone who is not already subscribed to that podcast, check it out. Ethan talks to so many fascinating people. And I just, I love your perspective on the world. I love your take on how we can continue to use technology, but to help make us more human, not less human. I appreciate that positive feedback. And yeah, the goal is to talk to as many different types of people as possible. So like a hardcore CX person is be like, this isn't hardcore enough for me. The goal is to help everyone understand CX. I think in a lot of the same ways that you teach it as well, that it's everyone's responsibility. It's everyone's opportunity, not just those with, you know, the letters in the title. Yes, absolutely. Everyone is the chief experience officer, whether their title says so or not. When you're talking to a customer, you're the one that is going to make or break that experience. Absolutely. 
So Ethan, you spend most of your time at BombBomb, which is a video platform that allows people to create one-to-one videos. But what I love is the way that you've balanced taking something like technology, but helping it to make the world feel smaller feel more human. So I'd love for you to just talk a moment about, you know, the change that BombBomb is creating in the world with the way that our communications as humans are always evolving, but hopefully in a great way and not just like everybody's only texting emojis from now on. (laughs) Right. When we can get into that, there's some research in the first book that I wrote about emojis that basically say they don't help. They actually create more confusion than they help. But I've been at BombBomb for over a decade. And the thing that keeps me, there are a variety of things, but the one that I'll get to is kind of the way you soft intro that, which is this mission to rehumanize business communication. And, you know, this was happening well before the pandemic, this idea of technology getting in between people in a way that wasn't always helpful in a way that we were often blind to, right? No one thinks about the consequences of entrusting their most important and most valuable messages to faceless typed out text, because it's just what we do. But when you kind of get into it, even intuitively, we don't need to talk numbers. When you get into it intuitively, you start to understand, okay, I'm not as clear when I type things out because I'm not a great writer. I'm not even clear in my thoughts necessarily. But if I could just get someone on the phone, I'd be able to explain it to them well. People don't feel like they know you when they read their emails, read your emails. That's research that's also in Rehumanize, which is that most emails are not assigned to a human writer in the recipient's brain. Those are just a couple of problems with faceless typed out text. And so, you know, in the earliest days and years of BombBomb, it was really about getting people to understand video outside of the bounds of YouTube and shows and high value production and all the things that were going on in 2011 that have kind of faded away and become much more normal today, which is kind of like a lighter weight, more casual conversation. Even what you and I are doing right now, right? Like people weren't doing this a decade ago using video in this way. We would have had to hire people to do this for us. We couldn't just get on and do a video-based show and an audio-based show on our own. We would need production around it. So that's what we were fighting at the time. And then as video email and video messaging became normalized, a little bit more normalized anyway, as we developed a lot more competitors in the space, people providing similar products and services, which I don't feel like I'm lacking humility in saying that we truly important, like we're significant in pioneering the space of video email and video messaging. So as other people came into it, it became obvious that video was being treated as a end in itself, right? Like the goal was to do video and to send video messages. And so the thing that's most engaging to me now, and the thing that I enjoy talking about the most now isn't video, how to do video, why video, et cetera. It's how to elevate its use as a tool, right? As a means to an end, not an end in itself. Video, you don't have a video strategy unless you're talking about like content production and content distribution, YouTube, social media, et cetera. This is about how do I connect and communicate with the people who matter most to my success in a different and better way? When do I do it? How do I do it, et cetera? And so when we get past the mechanics of video email and video messaging and really get into how humans connect and communicate most effectively now that we're all in a digital posture so much more often than we were before. That's an interesting conversation to me. And that's fun to be a part of because as you were kind enough to intro this question with, I think it does make a big difference in the world. And I think it makes a big world much smaller when we feel like we know more of the people that we're interacting with 
Well, and obviously so much has changed with the adoption of video and the use of video in the past three years, as we all had to evolve and change because of COVID. What are you most excited about for, let's say, the next five years? Like, What are some really interesting ways that you're seeing people use video to, again, achieve these ends that are so important? When I look three to five years ahead, yes, AI will get better. There are people doing things related to AI, faking like their personal videos and these types of things. I'm personally against it. We can go down that road if we want to. It's kind of a nuanced argument that, you know, but that will improve, right? It will get better. So that's something that's in play. There's certainly kind of AR, VR type stuff. I don't know where that fits into this video messaging zone, but in theory, you can see the potential for other pieces of information or engagement to be accompanying what now would be just kind of a standard YouTube playback experience, right? So like with BombBomb, it's like YouTube and all the other players where you can speed it up or slow it down. You can turn the captions off and on and all these other things. You can comment on the video, et cetera, but maybe a different level of engagement in video beyond like, are we have clickable calls to action over the videos, for example, that you can gesture to and things, but it could become more augmented or more interactive in some way. But really when I look at five years, it sounds like a long time, but it isn't. Uh, It's both at the same time. And so this idea of more people finding more opportunities in a normal course of events to say, oh, you know what? I should probably send this as a video or, you know what? I should probably send this as a screen recording or, you know, I always do this, that, and the other thing with a video message. And now I'm starting to do these two other things with it as well. You're starting to find more ways to either communicate more clearly, save some time, make a bigger impact and some of the other benefits. And so Really, my personal greatest hope isn't really technology-related. It's more technology adoption-related, which is, I'm sure, something that's come up on this podcast before, too. People (laughs) like adopting these ideas. And so that's my greatest hope for it over the next three to five years is, you know, the technology will be what it will be. It will continue to advance. But I really think what's holding it up right now is a shared understanding and a cultural normalcy around some messages are better delivered this way, and so I'm actually going to do it. Yeah, well, and I think you know, my perspective on this may be slightly different as a woman. I know people tell me all the time, like, oh, I don't want to record a video because I don't have makeup on or my hair isn't fixed or my background is crazy or whatever. And I think one change that has accelerated, maybe in part because of COVID, is this sort of resetting of expectations, you know, like even using the language camera ready, like, oh, I'm camera ready, like I'm ready to go on camera versus just showing up the way we show up every day for people. And I think that is something that adoption will continue to improve. And, you know, I've seen so much research saying, you know, for younger generations who are just like on video all the time, no matter what. And they, you know, it's, they value the authenticity of like, oh, of course I'm still in bed or I haven't brushed my hair or whatever. But I think that is something that I personally have worked to overcome. And I've seen other people overcome is this idea of like, oh, there's an expectation of how I show up because as the person receiving the message, of course, like you care about the content. You don't care about like whether or not that person has makeup on or what their hair looks like, but it's like getting over that psychological hurdle that, you know, maybe that's some good uses of AI people who can like use filters on their videos. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely a thing. It does affect both genders. I think it affects a personality type as much as anything. I will say that women have been burdened with different expectations over millennia in general, <laughs> and certainly the past several generations. But I've talked with men about that too. You know, I used to pay a ton of attention to who was sending the most videos out of BombBomb because I wanted to get to know them. That was 
kind of the foundation for all of what turned out in hindsight to be content marketing. But I just wanted to know who was finding this, who was using it, when were they using it? Was it additive? Were we replacing something in their day? All these things that anyone would want to know about their product or service. I was just kind of naturally curious about that. So I'd send videos to people. And the advantage I had was that they were all sending videos already so they could send me videos back. And there was this gentleman who jumped out, like his pace was like, Incredibly, he was averaging something like 10 videos a day for the first five or six months of his account. And so, you know, with his permission, he shared some examples with me and I included him in some of my training and presentations and things. And I noticed that he had gone dark, that he kind of stalled out. And so I reached out to him several months after I observed that he had, you know, his video count stopped growing. I can see that in my admin dashboard is like, you know, it's one point he had, you know, 1500 videos, let's say. Another time it was 1800 and then it kind of stalled out at 1800 videos for several months or something. So I reached out to him and asked him, he was like, yeah, you know, a couple things happened in my personal life and you know, I ended up putting on some weight and I just didn't feel as comfortable being on the camera. Like this is absolutely like the reason this isn't more normal and I'll get into one nuance of it for, I guess, maybe a teaching point, but it absolutely is vulnerability. That's the single biggest impediment to our growth and the growth of this as a movement, the normalizing of video messaging is the discomfort in this. Now, to your observation, yes, we all are more comfortable turning our cameras on. We've all had to do it. We've operated in you know video meetings and video calls for a long period of time. We still find them useful, so we still find ourselves doing them, hopefully less often than we were, say, two or three years ago, but we're still doing them. The difference with a video message and I just want to acknowledge this for someone that's kind of been down this road and is kind of like, oh yeah, I guess I have done a bunch of video calls. I should be able to do this. I would just caution people that it's going to feel different. There's something different about you speaking to someone as if they are there on the call with you or as if they are there together with you in person, speaking to them and recording it. Because at the end of the recording, you can stop it and play it back. And you're going to judge yourself far more harshly. And this is something you said too in teeing this up is that you're so worried about what other people will think, what other people will say. You care a lot more than anyone else does. All anyone else watching your video message cares about is, does this help me? Is this interesting to me? Is this for me? Is this about me? Do I feel seen, heard, appreciated, entertained, understood? Whatever the purpose of the message is, they care about what you send them relates to themselves. They're not really necessarily looking at your collar, the way your hair is turned a little bit, but you're worried about all of those things. And so on a live call like this, and I'll draw a parallel now to like a coffee meeting, right? You and I get together for coffee. We're talking about maybe doing some business together. And I put my best face forward. You know, I put together a compelling argument. I did a little bit of research about you and your business or you and your family, whatever. It depends on what the product or service I'm selling. I feel like I made a good pitch and we leave and we say like, okay, we're going to follow up in a couple of days. I feel like it went pretty well, but I'm driving back to my office or driving back to my home. And I'm kind of kicking myself like, oh, you know, when Brittany asked me that question, I should have maybe responded this way. Or gosh, I feel like I, I bored her by giving her too much detail on this particular story or this particular aspect or element. You know, you maybe kick yourself a little bit about what you did or didn't do perfectly, but it's done and gone. The moment was there. You lived it. You did your best. And, you know, you might beat yourself up a little bit afterward later, but it's, you're, you're gone. With video, you can actually delete it before anyone ever experiences it besides you. And so it's a different level of showing up on video. It requires a different mindset and it requires a different patience and trust in yourself. And the point of comparison isn't how, you know, is this video as good as all the YouTube videos? And is it thumbnailed the same way a good YouTube video is? It's, is this better than if I typed it out in three paragraphs? 
Or will this be more clear or more helpful than if I just typed it up with some bullet points and sent it as a text email? Do I want someone to feel like they know me? Do I want to be able to explain something more clearly? Do I want to be able to get the emotion or tone right? Right? Like, is this a corrective message or corrective feedback? Is this a message of encouragement or support? Is this an apology or a regret? Some of these things that are really difficult to capture in typed out text, you can do much, much better in video. But that element of being able to hit record, say the message, hit stop and actually play it back. Don't play it back. Just trust yourself and send it. I love that. And you know, I think when we put ourselves in the shoes of a customer, regardless of the product or service that the business is offering, there are certain expectations that we have. There are certain things that we want. We want clear communication. We want quick communication. And to your point, video allows you to be much more clear and much more concise because, you know, I know I will oftentimes find myself recording a video because I'm trying to type it out in email and I'm like, no one is going to read this email. Like this is now, like if it is a three paragraph email, like it now needs to be a video or a voice memo because this is way too much. And so using video as a way to help your customers experience something quicker or more clearly. And to your point, what I love about video messaging is you can play it back. So like if somebody says something to me on the phone, then it's like, okay, I've got to take notes or I've got to do this or I may have to follow up versus especially if it's instructional in some way, now I have something that I can refer back to. There's just huge value to that as a customer. Yeah. Pro tip there. Two things. One, never send a video alone. Always include a little bit of text with it. I generally recommend an opening line that obviously, you know, you're greeting the person as, you know, context specific. If it's a video in LinkedIn or Slack or text messaging or email, it'll all be a little bit different based on the nuances of that medium. But an opening line of text to help promise the value of the video. Hey, you asked me this thing and I've got three different ways to think about it in the video below, right? Tell them to play the video. We can get into what to do with a a thumbnail or an animated preview, but the goal there is to make it as specific and relevant to the person as possible. But then the closing line is to reinforce whatever the call to action is. Whatever the call to action was in the video, reinforce it in text in the case that they're reopening the email. They, they, you know, they open it up, they watch the video, they didn't respond. So I'll do that later. Kind of like they don't make them watch the video again if they don't need to. Also related, just because you kind of mentioned it, if there are a couple of details, like if there's a street address and a day and a time, don't hide that 38 seconds into the video out of respect and out of a courtesy for your recipient, or these could be instructions or a couple other details. If there's something in the message that would force someone to watch it again, go ahead and include those as supporting bullet points. Like, hey, in the video above, just you know, want to reinforce this, 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 right? A couple of just short notes, but you don't need to write that three or four paragraph email. You don't need to structure it into you know, a properly, I'm air quoting for listeners, a properly written email. They can just be supporting elements or a supporting link or that kind of a thing and make the text and video work together. The goal of the video, again, is to get that emotion right, to have someone feel like they know you or to re-meet you again to have you explain things kind of in layperson's terms so that it's easier to understand. And you can use the text around it to kind of reinforce some of the details, again, out of courtesy for folks. I love that. Having them work together and really using the tools available to, again, make ourselves more human in a way and make that humanity front and center. Yeah. And the other thing I want to go to, you know, I want to open up the opportunity for, I think of video kind of in three different ways. You mentioned, and I advocate for, because it is the best, period. It's the best. Truly personal one-to-one bespoke video messages. Hey, 
I know I liked the, you know, kind of emoji, the thing. I know that I left a comment, but I just want to let you know, I'm still thinking about the, you know, what you put up on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, whatever the other day, I just want to let you know, I'm really thinking about you. If I could be of any help, please let me know, blah, 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 right? Like truly personal bespoke message. Hey, just saw you visited the website, filled that thing out. Wanted to get back to you right away. I'll put that quote together. Right? I just wanted to introduce myself, reinforce a couple of things and, and, you know, in parentheses, this isn't what you're saying. Like, reinforce that you're in the right place and that I'm a real human behind this product or service in a way that people wonder about and worry about and don't trust in today's environment. You know, like, is this a legit company? A legit website does not mean you're a legit company. Are there real people there? Are you scaled and prepared to help? Do you have some level of expertise? Are you what I think you are? Or are you better? You know, or are you worse? And so, so many different ways to be truly personal. And so, hey, customer, you reached out with a question and it's a little bit nuanced. So I decided to record this video instead of type out, you know, the long answer. I'm also drop a couple links down below if you want to do some of your own research and kind of follow it along. Also happy to jump on the phone, but specific to the way that you asked that question, one, two, three, hope that was helpful. Take care. Have a great day. You know, again, happy to have a conversation about it. Truly personal, bespoke, one-to-one for the situation, proactive, reactive, time-blocked or triggered. Time-blocking is like, you know, every Thursday afternoon from two to three, you're going to reach out to all the opportunities in your pipeline that have gone dark on you, that haven't replied or whatever, and you're going to send videos to reignite those relationships. That's time-blocked. Triggered is anytime someone is referred to me, I send two videos. One to the person who made the referral and one to the person who was referred to me. But there are two other big opportunities in this zone for people that are like, I don't have time for that. You can record a video once and use it over and over and over and over again. We're doing this with a number of different customers. And some of them are like technical integrations at this point where you know what the process is. You know what the three or four steps are. And so when this milestone is hit, this can automatically be sent. When this milestone is hit, so you're not greeting Jeff or Tina or Bill by name, but because of the circumstance, right? It's been X number of days since this particular thing happened and this thing hasn't happened yet. There's enough there circumstantially that you can record a video for that moment that reintroduces you, reintroduces the opportunity and it encourages them to take the next steps. So you can put a series of those together. We call those evergreen, record it once and use it over and over and over again as appropriate. And then of course, the third one is mass video email. So anything that you're sending en masse to people, this could be like monthly updates. It could be holiday greetings. Again, always better personal, but you can send you know video messages to 50 people or 500 people or 5,000 people at a time. Yeah. And you're right. Personal is great, but a mass video that feels personal is better than no greeting at all. So I think anyone listening to that can look at all of those examples to say, I could improve my customer's experience by introducing some of these types of videos. And I love the journey-based ones of letting people know what to expect. One of the things that causes dissonance in every business relationship is uncertainty. Like people just not knowing what they don't know. They're uncertain about what's coming next or they're anxious about what's going to happen. So looking at your processes and saying, okay, you're at this step in the journey. So I'm going to explain to you where you're at. I'm going to remind you where we've been. I'm going to remind you where you're going and I'm going to let you know what to expect between you know step four and five where you're at right now. I think that's something 
something so valuable that anybody listening to listening to this conversation right now could could look at the steps in their journey. And like I'm even as we're talking, I'm like, oh, I should have emails that go to every client like two days before the event just to say, hey, as a reminder, this is when I'm getting to the hotel and we don't have to worry about tech check and all of those things. So I love the idea of introducing video to help reinforce the fact that you're taking care of your customers' needs. Yeah. And bonus points for a line that goes something like, hey, if you're like a lot of people that are at this point, you might be thinking or feeling X, Y, or Z, right? Like if you know those things are true, like acknowledging where people are emotionally, not just where they are in terms of the transaction itself, acknowledging that they might be wondering about or worried about or curious about these types of things. That's a nice layer to add to it. A very nice layer. And, you know, this has nothing to do with video, although I feel like it also sort of has everything to do with video. And that's for anybody who's not following Ethan, you absolutely should. He has the most fascinating insights to share all the time. I learned so much from the things that you share on socials. And you oftentimes challenge my thoughts on certain things around technology and human behavior. And one example, and I should have pulled it up before our call, it's been, I don't know, probably several months ago now, you wrote about how you stopped using your Fitbit. You stopped tracking your sleep because you were becoming more dependent on how it told you you should feel than listening to your own body and how you actually did feel. And I remember reading that and you of everything you write is always so well researched and there's always backups and you know, you link to all these studies about Fitbit like undercounting your sleep and not getting things just right. And after I read that, I stopped wearing my Fitbit. I'd been a loyal Fitbit user for years and I was like He's right. I do. Sometimes I'll, I'll feel like, oh, I slept really well. And then if my Fitbit is like, no, you got five hours and 18 minutes of sleep, then I'm like, well, maybe I am tired. And it makes me kind of like question what I know to be intuitively true. And as I said, I feel like this has nothing and everything to do with video. I think oftentimes we look for metrics or stats to show us like, oh, this was effective because people watched 97% of it or somebody went back three times instead of just what we intuitively know and can feel to be true as a human, which is someone is going to feel more deeply connected to me because they watched this video. I improved this experience because I made it that much more clear and personal to them. There's so much there. I was going to say, sorry, that's First a lot to unpack. I'm glad that post resonated <laughs> with you. And I hope that it's been a good journey of, I found myself gaming the thing. Yes. I found myself trusting the numbers more than I trusted myself, all the things. And this brings up a constant tension that I'm in conversations about. Sometimes it's on podcasts, sometimes it's just kind of personal. But this idea of, you know, the measurable results and optimizing for efficiency and, you know, we all want efficient revenue growth and we all want to, you know, hit our goals and exceed last year's numbers and all these things. Behind every single measurable outcome are a whole set of immeasurables, right? And generally we would call this trust. We would call it rapport. We would call it expertise, we would call it wisdom. We would call it guidance. Like there are reasons that measurable results happen, but so often when we put them up on the big board, the scoreboard, whatever that is, whether it's an Excel sheet or whether it's a dashboard in your CRM or whether it's, you know, on a big monitor in a big conference room or whatever the case may be, when we put the big numbers up, we're looking at the numbers and the numbers come to be the end in themselves. And at some level they need to be. But part of what I've been advocating for around this, and I love that you drew out this like aura ring Fitbit thing as the metaphor for it because it fits it exactly, is 
that we still need to be focused on the things that we know are actually driving the numbers, even if we cannot measure them, right? And so we know that we need to treat people well because when people are treated well, they think, feel, and say nice things about us. And that results in numbers, that results in repeat purchasing, that results in referrals and all these other things. And so I think if we get into the business exclusively of tracking referrals, let's say, and we stop thinking about or perhaps even trying to at least do activity-based recording of activities that produce those outcomes, we lose sight of what, and it stops being as fun. This is just my personality type. Some people are very, very numbers oriented and spreadsheets and dashboards light them up and they like seeing the numbers go up and these things. I like seeing numbers go up too. I'm much more interested in and brought to life by what is underneath all of those numbers. And there are human beings making irrational decisions based on how they feel. Even when it comes to seven and eight figure deals, a lot of it is driven that way. Although when those decisions are made by committee, some of the, you know, individual intuition or preference or judgments or values get kind of watered down through the decision-making. Like In theory, that makes it a safer choice. But ultimately, most of us are dealing with people making irrational feeling-based decisions on a day-to-day basis and they show up on the board and it's not because we, we kind of like tweak optimize this one thing. It's because we made people feel like they're in a good situation. That's it. Now that's hard to do. And so that's why it's both in. And we, frankly, we do need to hit the revenue number. Our entire privilege here at BombBomb of rehumanizing the planet by rehumanizing business communication is dependent on hitting our revenue numbers and managing our expenses. If we don't do that well, we do not have the privilege of supporting the types of people and missions and causes that we support. So we do need to run a profitable business and we do keep a big board, but we also don't lose sight of the fact that underneath all of those numbers are human beings making decisions and that's driven by something that is not as easily drawn into a business model. Yeah. I mean, what's the, I'm going to mess it up, but the Albert Einstein quote, that's something like not everything that can be counted counts and not everything that counts can be counted. Like you've got Perfect. to, it's like mostly right. That's uh, yeah. He was talking yeah, about Instagram, is, I think. exactly yes. right. But yes, having that both and mentality of, yes, of course you've got to mind the numbers, but if you're just minding the numbers, you're going to miss I don't know if it's the forest for the trees or the trees for the forest, but yes, you're gonna you're gonna I'll, see I'll one go but not the other. Both and on that one. <laughs> yes, you're exactly. Gonna miss, you're gonna miss some of. You're both. gonna miss. Yeah, you're yeah. gonna miss. Some and of And so, that. just to draw it back to video a little bit, I won't bore you with numbers. There are absolutely measurable outcomes of video. In fact, there's some amazing stats coming out of a pilot we're doing with a CRM called Total Expert in this new way that we made video work in there. So there are measurable benefits of it, but I don't want people to stop themselves because they feel like they need to see more numbers. They need to see more numbers. They like prove this to me that treating people awesome and having people meet you before they ever meet you is going to be a benefit to my business. If you don't accept that intuitively, most people working are in a commoditized space. There are very few corners of the economy anymore that are protected with wide enough moats not to recognize that the human to human interaction and the way we make people feel and the differentiation that comes by who we are is a major difference maker and a major decision maker in terms of or decision guider in terms of do I take the next step? Do I take the next step? Do I take the next step until I ultimately make the initial transaction? Then do I hang around? Do I stick around? Do I repeat? Do I refer, et cetera? Most of us are doing that in a highly commoditized space and you are the greatest differentiator, your expertise, your guidance, the way you make people feel. That's what's being referred, not just the product or service directly. I mean, even when I hear you talk about a brand like Chewy, right? 
Now, do they have systems behind these moments that make people feel amazing? Yes, they do. And, and we should all have those as well. And, and I would argue that in a lot of cases, video should be part of those messages. But these, these, the differentiation comes through how we make people feel about themselves. Yes. And I don't know anybody who doesn't feel better when they get a video from someone saying nice things, wishing them well. So a couple of quick questions for you, Ethan, before I let you go. I want to know, give me an example of either a brand or a person that is using video really well right now as part of their overall customer experience communications mix. Gosh, there are so many. I mean, really, so we have like, I don't know, something like 90,000 customers right now. The ones that are doing it best are the ones who find one or two or three ways to use it and just do that pretty consistently. And for some people, that's sending a monthly video to everyone in their database, kind of giving them an update, providing them next steps, giving them some news about kind of what's going on, what's going on in their business, what's going on in their community, et cetera. And I use community in a very broad sense here. It could be a geographic community or it could be like a conceptual community. Like our community is one word I would use to capture is rehumanize, right? Like people that are interested in rehumanizing digital communication, they would be in our community. In other people, it's, you know, some of the habits I already mentioned. And so I would be remiss if I named anyone for not naming all of the other people. There's some people that I've been in personal relationship with for as long as I've been at BombBomb. They've been BombBomb customers longer than I've been here. And it's been like 11 and a half years. And there are other people that are newer to it. But I think the folks that are, you know, from a company perspective, the people that are at least exploring this option on behalf of their team members it's just worth exploring. And then individuals that make it a habit, whatever a habit looks like for them. You know, I used to advocate all the time for, you know, this should just be in the mix every day. And you should, like, I personally send, like on a normal average workday, I probably send as few as two or three and as many as eight or 10 videos. I think the most I've ever done in one day was 150 or so. That's because I want to follow <laughs> the whole group of people in a personal way. Wow. I don't think that's a normal activity. I used to view that as normal, but the more that I explore this conversation with people like, what value does video messaging bring you? I hear more diversity in those responses today than I did earlier on. And so it's finding the spots where you matter more than what you would be sending as an alternative. I love that. Finding the spot. It's kind of a, you I know it's more. kind of a cheap skit. I know you're looking for particular names and people. No, no. People I think I, yeah. I, I think that's great. And I think that's one of the things that I would want anyone listening to this to take away is there's not one right way to do video messaging. And the right way is the way that is effective for your customers and efficient for you. And whether that's, you know, 150 a day, some days, or or two or three a day, finding the right way to make it work to rehumanize yourself to your prospects and customers as much as possible. Absolutely. All right, Ethan, where can people follow you and find more from you? I would be happy to hear from anyone directly. My email address is just Ethan, E-T-H-A-N, at bombbomb.com. So feel free to email me. I will send you a video back, ask a question, <laughs> give some feedback. If you want to, I have a number of resources I can provide back if someone's interested in taking the next step or going deeper. And they're not product pitches. They're, it's educational material. And again, I'd be happy to give you several minutes of my own time answering your question or concern or giving you some insights or tips. So you can email me directly, Ethan at bombbomb.com. You can hit me up on LinkedIn. It's just Ethan Butte. Last name is spelled B-E-U-T-E. I'm also on all the other socials. Awesome. As Ethan Butte. And we're bombbomb, just the word bomb twice, B-O-M-B, B-O-M-B on social and bombbomb.com. 
Thank you for being so generous with your time. I will say that Ethan is one of the smartest, most helpful, most generous people I know. And he is very sincere when he's saying that he will send you a video back. He will help you. So Ethan, thank you for that offer. And I hope you don't regret it because you are one of the people that I know I love to go to for advice every time I need something. First, thank you so much for your kind words. Really appreciate it. Second, uh, and I'm glad we've gotten to spend so much time together over the past few years. Some of it in person too, which is a joy. The event we spent together was our the last one before the pandemic, I think. Yes, we both like immediately, it was like March, what, like 10th or 11th or something, 2020. Yeah, it was, it was we were, like, as it was happening. And yeah. I think we thought we were going to see each other a week later. And at that event, we were like, we might not see each other a week later. Yeah. Like they might start canceling all these things. <laughs> yeah. I just want to emphasize this because it's so important to super fandom is there are a lot of things I have going on in my day. There are a lot of responsibilities, but ultimately to me, the most important thing I can do in any given day is to move one or more people along on this journey of understanding the value and benefit because it's not just going to change your business results. I believe in this change of business culture. I think it does, as you said earlier, make the world smaller. I think it makes the world better. Something I've heard from people that have been in their businesses for 20, 30, 40 years. This reminds me why I got into the business. This makes what I do fun again. This is transformative. And so for, if I can have like, I don't care if 50 people ask me specific questions. I will make time to answer those questions because of all the things I'm doing. It doesn't scale, but that's part of the power of it is to move people along in that person might be the person that starts doing 10 a day and they're affecting 10 different people every day in the same way. It's like, it's got this contagion effect and I think it's a net positive for the world. Amen. <laughs> well, thank you Ethan again for coming on the show and thank you for being such a wonderful net positive to the world. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. All right. That's all the time we have for today's episode of the Creating Superfans podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now, remember, if you're a super fan of today's episode, you can help us out in a big way by leaving a review and a rating wherever you get your podcasts. It may seem like a little thing, but it can make a huge difference in helping others discover the show. Now, until next time, remember, super fandom is a two-way street. Show your love for your customers and your employees, and they'll love you right back. We've got an exciting show lined up for next week, so I hope we'll see you right back here. Bye-bye.